Listen to those words. He lives to silence all my fears. He lives to wipe away my tears. He lives to calm my troubled heart. He lives all blessings to impart. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from our risen and living Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text today, this wonderful day of our Lord's resurrection, taken from this chapter, this great chapter of Matthew 28, but I will read these words. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with joy. Here ends our text. It's like a magnificent play that we have heard about and read about and thought about for all our lives. Those women so mournfully, so sad, on their way to the tomb that morning, the Sabbath being over, this being the day when they would come and bring spices to take care of the body, to anoint, to, I guess you might say, to improve the odor of a body that they thought would be very deformed and very rotted in that tomb. How sad. It was their Lord and their Savior, and like the words that were spoken to Jesus by Martha, boy, Lord, we thought you were the one. We thought that this was going to be your doing, that you would bring life and salvation. And then there was nothing but a crucified body. We see the soldiers, as they watched these heavenly beings appear, these angels, as they appeared to them, bright shining like the sunshine itself, and the soldiers so terrified in utter terror and fear that they became like dead men. As we contemplate and reflect upon the fact that these women were filled with fear upon these soldiers who were struck by fear as the women went away after the message of Jesus, filled with joy, mixed with fear. We think for a moment a little bit about what it is that fear is and what it means. There are essentially, we might say for us, three kinds of fear. The first being the fear of these soldiers a soldier's fear is based upon the fear of the supernatural, the thing that we don't expect, the thing that is different from all human expectations and experience. And suddenly something like this happens and where you don't realize that behind the veil there is this incredible unseen world of angels a divine being who is upholding the universe with his almighty power, and suddenly you have to come face to face with it. And the disciples or the soldiers found themselves struck with utter terror, fear. That's going to be a fear that will also happen upon the last day. For then that last day, our God is going to come once again. He's going to come in judgment, and when he raises all bodies from the grave, both the righteous and the unrighteous, both believers and unbelievers, 
there is going to be a terror fear in those who do not know him and do not believe in him. And it is a terror fear so great that they're going to plead for the mountains to fall upon them and bury them in the face of the almighty power of God. That's the soldier fear. There, of course, was another kind of fear related to it. As those angels descended, there was this mighty earthquake. And you can well imagine what would happen with a great, big, magnificent earthquake taking place that everybody would be afraid of dying. This fear of death is inherent to all of our natures. It is a fear of the unknown, but at the same time a fear of knowing that that's where all men are going to end their lives. And it is this fear of death that makes the world into slaves to, the Bible says, to Satan, to the devil. The diabolos is the one who deceives. It is this fear of death that causes people to be deceived. And because they're deceived, they can't see through to this great, wonderful message of the truth of the resurrection. In Hebrews 2.14, it says, Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. Yeah, the fear of death is something that affects us all. A third kind of soldier fear is what we might call the fear of consequence. It was the kind of fear that the thieves on the cross were speaking about when finally one of them came to a census and he said, don't you fear God to this neighboring malefactor. We indeed are receiving the just recompense of our crimes but this man has done nothing wrong they knew that they were punished for their crimes and I suppose every one of us probably has something in the back of our mind and maybe many things that raise questions and we ask ourselves are we going to be punished for those sins that we have committed there are consequences. We hear about it at the end of the commandments. I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquities of the fathers upon the children to the third and the fourth generation of them that hate me. That we wonder whether or not this God is going to punish us for those sins of thought and word and deed, for the things that we have done, and even maybe for the things that we have not done or failed to do. There is another kind of fear though, not the soldier fear, which is the fear of the unbelieving heart, but the fear of these women. We call it respect fear. It is very much like the fear that we speak about in Luther's explanation to the Ten Commandments. You can go back to your confirmation and remember those words, right? We should fear and love God it is a respect combined with a deep love that makes us do something that the Bible would even call fear, which is a kind of good fear. The fear of those women was something that was fulfilling 
the fourth commandment. They had nothing to gain by going to that tomb. It was obviously not something that they were going to get anything out of. What they were doing was a kind of a one-sided love for this one who had been their dear teacher. Their love for him was this not only was a fulfillment of the fourth commandment of honoring, but it was a fulfillment of the first three commandments were out of great love for him who had brought them such peace in their lives. The forgiveness of their sins, the cleansing of their conscience, which could not take place in any other way or by any human being on earth. These women had found peace in their hearts because of him, and therefore out of a deep reverential fear of God, they came bringing spices to anoint his body. There's was also a pious fear. That is to say, piety is where we respectfully honor God for the promises that he makes, which we don't yet quite have now. This was Jesus when he had left. Remember, he did not for three days come while Lazarus was sick, and Lazarus died. And Martha comes to him, Lord, if you, had, if you had only come, Lazarus wouldn't have died. You could have healed him. Jesus says, do you believe in the resurrection? She says, yeah, the resurrection at the end of time. You see, out of piety, she knew the resurrection was coming. It didn't bring a whole lot of peace to the death of Lazarus in her heart, but she knew it was yet to come. And that piety and that fear was something that helped her to be able to understand that God's promises do come true, for Jesus did walk up to the tomb of Lazarus. And that creates another kind of fear, doesn't it? The fear that makes us tremble at the miraculous and unbelievable power of God. That Jesus could walk up to the tomb of Lazarus and he could say, come forth in a man whose body was rotting after his death could come back to life again. And this fear, this reverential respect for God, this depth of wonder that came into the hearts of all these people as they realized that his words were true. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. But in Lazarus, they still did not see the fullness of that hope. There is, therefore, a third kind of fear that we experience as Christians. It's a strange kind of fear because it is that reverential fear combined with something now far greater because of what happened on that morning. It is the fear that those women had as they were walking away from that empty tomb, it says in our text that they were afraid and their fear was mixed with joy. Their fear was mixed with joy because joy comes where there is understanding. Joy comes where there is an understanding of what that resurrection meant. What did it mean? The scriptures 
make it clear that it meant four things. Number one was that it meant that Jesus was indeed the very Son of God. Number two, that everything which Jesus had taught and every promise that he had made and which he makes to us in those scriptures is indeed the very words of God and are true as well. Number three is that God the Father has taken and accepted this sacrifice of his Son and that in the same way in which the high priest would emerge out of the, behind that veil every day on that day of atonement, if God had accepted his sacrifice, he'd appeared alive, that when Jesus appeared alive, that it meant that God the Father had accepted his sacrifice for this forgiveness of the sins of the whole world. Every sin for all mankind and for all time. And it meant that if he was raised, we're going to be raised along with him. Paul said it. As many of you as were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death, that whereas Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, that you too might walk in a newness of life. You see, that resurrection fills us not just with fear and awe, but it fills us, fuels us with an understanding of what God has now done and accomplished that cannot be undone. It also gives us a joy, not just of understanding, but a joy of, maybe the word is reality. It's a realization, a reality realization. It's kind of like when, when you're, when you're a kid and your parents tell you you're going to go on a vacation and you wait with this anticipation and anticipation and the day comes and then you joyfully go on vacation. Or a bride and a bridegroom as they wait for that day to come where they're going to be united in marriage and made one for the rest of their life and be bound together by God's Holy Spirit. And they wait and they wait and then that day comes and with joy they finally realize the reality of what they've been hoping for. This is a resurrection of reality where the hope that we have of the coming resurrection now has happened. You see, the difference between the resurrection of Lazarus and the resurrection of Jesus is that Lazarus was resurrected to only die again. The resurrection of Jesus is a resurrection that now means we will have and participate in the resurrection. That when we are baptized, that we do participate literally in the resurrection. We have died already and we therefore cannot, the power of death cannot harm us. It means that in the same way that we now take of the Lord's body and blood, that what we are eating is not just a meal on earth. It's not even a meal where God divi brings divine things down to earth. But it means that we are now entering into the dimension of heaven itself and we are eating the very same meal that we are going to eat for eternity. It's a full realization of now what will happen. Now, as these women were walking away with this this fear and trembling mixed with joy. It was a joy that was a joy of eternity. It's hard for us to grasp, but we should try with all our hearts to be able to 
grab onto it, to taste it, to understand what it means for us in our life. In his resurrection, death that came into the world has now been destroyed. It no longer has power over us. It means that this curse that came with sin, the fall into sin, the sin which we're born with every day, every moment of our life, which we even commit, that that curse has now been removed because it was laid on him. And it means that we are now in this God-man, in this grafting into him, that God has been reconciled to us and this God in heaven, no matter who we are, and even if we are a malefactor, even if we're criminal dying on the cross for murder, that God has now been reconciled to us through Christ and that through faith and trust in this one who died for us, that we are going to live forever. How can you put all of that into our hearts? The fact of the matter is, for the rest of our life, we're going to live with fear. There are going to be times in which we're going to taste that soldier fear. There are going to be times in which we're going to be afraid of dying. There are going to be times in which our fears are going to get the best of us. We're going to wonder whether or not God is going to really let us have it. And we're going to be afraid. There are going to be times in which our fear of God is going to be something which is, could be rich and full. But it's going to seem as though God's promises just aren't there and they're never going to be fulfilled. But I'll tell you this. We should believe every single word that that angel and Jesus spoke to that, those women. Because no matter what, whatever fear might lie within our hearts, we have a command from our God. He says, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid because that joy which you now have and which belongs to you will always overcome your fears. In the name of the one who has been resurrected to everlasting life, I say unto you and command you, do not be afraid. Amen. May the peace of God, which surpasses all human understanding, guard and keep your thoughts and your minds through faith in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.